0: Last week we talked about Zacchaeus in our Sunday morning lesson. One of the things that we learned about Jesus is the fact that when He came to this world, He came to seek and save that which was lost. When He came to this world, He did not leave His deity behind. He was still the Son of God. He still had the power of God. And we see that demonstrated with some of the miracles that He performed. I don't really like that word "perform" because it sounds like an act. But he was had the ability to do that, and we can see, a new, or see numerous miracles that he did. Uh, some where he walked on water, calmed the storm, uh, healed those that had different uh, problems that, that they needed to be that needed to be taken care of, raised people from the dead. But all of those were done for a reason to confirm that he was the Son of God. I want to look at two of the miracles that He did, and we're going to get a lesson from those. But before we get to those two miracles, I want us to look at another one to try to confirm what I'm saying is that the power that He had to demonstrate in miracles showed that He was the Son of God. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Matthew, the ninth chapter. In Matthew, the ninth chapter, beginning of verse one, it says, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. <clears throat> and behold, they brought unto him a man sick of palsy, lying on, his, on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easy to, easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go, thy, go into thy, unto thy house. And he arose and departed to his house. And when a multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men." There we see that Jesus had made the statement of that individual that his sins were forgiven, and they questioned that, and they had the authority, or they should have questioned that. Did Jesus have that power? Did He have that authority? And so to show and to demonstrate His power, He performed a miracle to show that He was from God, that the message that He had was from God, and that's very important. And so we learn that in that particular case that He did come to seek and to save that which was lost, But we also see that he had compassion on people as he went about his daily life. That there were times that he was confronted by people who were sick. Those that had suffered a loss of a family member and death. We see how he reacted and many times healed those individuals. As we continue on in chapter 9, we can see that other things had happened and had taken place in chapter 9 of people that were healed. Verse 18, we find that He spake these things unto them. Behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped Him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall shall live. And Jesus arose and followed Him, and so did His disciples. And while he was on the way to that person's house, verse 20, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And a woman was made whole from that hour." And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the fame hereof went abroad unto all that land. And so we go on, and the next miracle is one of the ones that I would like to talk about. But I wanted us to see that Jesus had a purpose for those miracles and that He was busy doing those things from time to time. But that was not His purpose in coming to this earth. His purpose was to come and to seek and to save the lost, tell people what they needed to know so that they could be saved, and then to die on the cross for our sins, your sins, my sins, and all of mankind's sins so that we could have our sins blotted out by His blood. He rose victorious over the grave that gives us hope that we can uh, overcome death And that we can have that home in heaven with Him in the hereafter if we're faithful to Him in this life. And so we go to verse 27 and we read the miracle that I wanted us to look at, one of them. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed Him, crying and saying, Thou Son of David, have mercy on us. And when He was coming to the house, the blind men came to Him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto Him, Yea, Lord. Then touched He their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus strictly or straightly charged them, saying, See that no man knoweth. And they, when they were departed, spread abroad His fame in all that country. Here we find two blind men that, were, that obviously could not see. And I can't imagine what life would be like without being able to see. I think that when we've enjoyed our eyesight, uh, we, we see things that we sometimes just take for granted. But someone who has been unable to see wouldn't have that experience. And I don't know if these individuals were blind from birth or if something had happened, but nevertheless, they were blind. And I would like to have been there to see some of the miracles that Jesus performed. Not so much because I have doubt. I have no doubt that these things took place but I think that it would be interesting to see the, re- the reaction of the individual, the reaction to the people that were around, and to family when their loved one had been healed by Jesus. And that we see in these passages of Scripture that He t- tells them in this case, according to your faith. And so according to their faith they would be healed. So if they truly believed that Jesus had the power to heal, <clears throat> then obviously they would have received their sight. Now I would like for us, if you would, to turn over to Mark chapter 7. There we will see the other miracle that I would like for us to look at and examine tonight. Because even in this chapter, Jesus had healed other people. In verse twenty-four, the Syrophoenician woman who was following after him, we find another passage of the Scripture that uh, he said uh, things that uh, most people would not consider very friendly. Uh, but he uh, said, uh, verse twenty-seven: "And Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it under the dogs." Most people, I think, would have been insulted at that point and just went on their way, but this woman knew that Jesus had what she needed, and that he could heal his her daughter of the unclean spirit that she had. And so she continued on following him, and the disciples at one point had said, Drive her away, make her leave, because she troubles us. That's not in this passage, but that's what they did. And so we see that she came to Jesus and wanted to be healed. And so, or wanted her daughter to be healed. And so, in verse twenty-six, and the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician uh, by uh, nation, and she sought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, "Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet for the to take the children's bread and to cast it under the dogs." And she answered and said unto him, "Yes, Lord. Yet the dogs under the table eat of the t- uh, children's crumbs." And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found that the devil had gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. And again departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came to the Sea of Galilee throughout the midst of the coast of Decapias. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment of speech. And they beseeched him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude, and put his fingers in, into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, "Ephetha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and a string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. So here we find an individual who was deaf and had some kind of speech impediment, unable to speak normal uh, like everyone else. And so he came to Jesus. They brought him to Jesus and they wanted him to be healed. And again, we see the faith that they had in Jesus that He could perform this miracle and that His ears would be open, that He would be able to hear, and that He would be able to speak again normal or speak normal uh, as everyone else. Those things, I think, are both kind of amazing And I think that that would be hard for us to see or uh, imagine in our minds, but can you imagine being there on that occasion and seeing that the two blind men received their sight and this individual who was deaf now being able to hear and then being able to speak as a normal human being. I think that that would be amazing to see. And I think that it would be something that would have a profound effect not only on those two or three individuals, but on the people that were around them. His family. Because back in those days, many times when you had a disability such as this, or as those blind men may have, many times there was no one to take care of you. If your family or your friends didn't take care of you, then you were at the mercy of the people around you. They didn't have social programs like we have in our society today. And so I'd imagine it would be a great event in their lives when something like that happened. But did you notice what Jesus said? In both of those miracles, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. You know, sometimes... When we violate what God has said, we try to justify it. And I think that even in this case, when we look at this, we try to justify their actions. We try to use, uh, uh, we try to rationalize their thinking. I would imagine you would hear people say, I can't tell anyone. I can now see. And I'm not going to tell anyone? I'm not supposed to tell anyone? And the family? I'm not even supposed to tell them what happened? I can now speak and I can hear their voices and I'm not supposed to tell anyone. You know, our reasoning, and I'm sure that some of us may be even thinking it right now, is did Jesus tell him that so that they would go and tell it? I don't think so. Because, why would Jesus ask or tell them not to do something? Because He wanted them to go and do it. He's not going to tell them to do something that is wrong. When He says don't tell it, He intended for them not to tell it. And I believe that the reason is He didn't come to heal people, He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so one of the lessons that I think that we can learn from these two examples of Jesus's miracles with these three different individuals is that people of faith don't always obey what they're supposed to do. Does that make it okay? No. In Matthew chapter 9 verses 28 and 29 And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. It's easy to judge the actions of these people and say that God will probably overlook it, that it was okay. How could they... Disobey one who had just done so much for them. They rationalized it, most likely. Just like we do sometimes when we know we have faith, but we disobey what God has told us. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 30, And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly, Some translations say strictly charged them saying, see that no man know it. Mark chapter 7 and verse 39, and He charged them that they should tell no man. But the more He charged them, so much the more a great deal was published it. A great deal they published it. We would rationalize it We just got to tell somebody. We just got to tell somebody. I know Jesus said, don't tell anybody, but we just got to tell our friend. We just got to tell our family. Don't they want to know? We got to tell it. But Jesus said, don't. The purpose of miracles in some cases was to make believers. So why wouldn't Jesus want people to believe based on what they said? In Romans chapter 3 and verse 8, an interesting question is asked there in the middle of that verse by the Apostle Paul when he says, "...let us do evil that good may come." How many times in our own lives have we rationalized something that we know we shouldn't do, justifying it by the good that could come from it? It would be easy for these individuals to say, listen, we tell people about Jesus and that's going to draw more people about Jesus when we tell Him what He's done to our eyes, but what He's done to our, our ear, and what He's done to our mouth. Wouldn't, that want, wouldn't we want to draw people to Him? So we're going to go ahead and we're going to tell people Because we want them to hear or see Jesus. Perhaps Jesus knew that if that was published and everyone heard about it, they wouldn't come for salvation. They would come to be healed. That was not His purpose for being here on this earth. We see an example similar to this in the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel chapter 15. You might want to turn your Bible over there. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, we find there an example of what God had told Saul to do. Beginning in verse 1, it says, "...And Samuel said, said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord." Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he lay wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. And now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. So now what is God saying? God is telling Saul to go and destroy these individuals, this king, his people, everything, to wipe it out. Why? Because God remembered what they had done to his people. And so he's telling Saul, you're my servant, this is what I want you to do. And I want you to go destroy the king and all the people, young, old, and in between. I want them all utterly destroyed. But well, we know the rest of the story. We know that Saul did not do what he was told to do. And in verse 8 it says, "...and he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuge they, that they destroyed utterly." Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, hey, repent repented me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. And when Samuel arose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal." And Samuel said unto Saul, and Saul said unto him, or Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be the be thou the Lord, I have performed the commandments of the Lord. Well, I think we could stop right there. I have have done the commandments of the Lord. I did what the Lord told me to do. Now, in those few verses, what do we find out? Did Saul do exactly what God told him to do? No. He did not do what he was told to do. He spared the king, and he spoiled the city, and he kept the best, the chief of the uh, oxen and the sheep. And so we go on. And verse 14, and Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and a lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God and the rest they have utterly destroyed. What's Saul doing? He's saying, I got something that I think is good that God is going to appreciate. I'm going to offer all of this best as a sacrifice. And I'm going to offer it to God. So what he's told me in the past This is going to be okay. And isn't that the rationale that we use sometimes when we disobey God? When we know what He teaches about salvation and we haven't complied? When we know what He teaches about being fruitful and we haven't lived up to it? We rationalize that I've done this and therefore it's going to be overlooked. Because I've disobeyed God, I know it. But somehow he's just going to overlook me. It'll be okay. Is that what happened? Verse 16, Then Samuel said unto Saul, Say, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said unto me this night. And he saith unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel, And the Lord sent thee unto the journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners the Amalekites and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly unto the spoils and did evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and I have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of the Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites." But the people took the spoils, the sheep and the oxen, and the chief of these things, which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is an iniquity, and idolatry, Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Samuel thought that he could do evil and it would be good. That's the thinking that a lot of people have. That's not the thinking that we should have. We need to understand that to obey God is very important in our lives. That, that should be primary, uh, the primary responsibility that we have in our everyday life is to obey God. These individuals disobeyed what Jesus had told them to do. He said, Tell, tell no man. And while their disobedience is condemned, their desire may have been commendable, but it's not what they were told to do. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 31, But they, when they had departed, spread abroad His fame in all that country. In Mark chapter 7 and verse 36, And He charged them that they should tell no man. But the more He charged them, so much more. A great deal they published it. Don't tell anyone. Sounds like they went out and told everyone. I want you to think about that for a moment. Don't tell anyone. And they went out and they told, sounds like everyone. I want you to contrast that between then and now. We're commanded to go into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. We're told to go and tell. Is that any different than what Jesus told them? He said, tell no one, they went and told. Jesus tells us to tell everyone, and we keep silent. 2 Corinthians chapter five and verse eleven, Paul says, "Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. <clears throat> we know what's going to happen. We know what the Bible teaches. We know that we need to warn people. We need to tell people what they need to do in order to be saved." Question is, do we do it? In Acts chapter eight and verse four, <clears throat> therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the Word. They had been persecuted. And as they were scattered, they were telling people the good news. Jesus tells some, don't tell. They go and tell everybody. He tells us to tell others. Sometimes we don't tell anybody. Today, we have to beg people to tell someone about the good news of the Gospel of Christ. Those miracles were to confirm who he was. But his purpose was to seek and to save that which was lost. He asked them about their faith. He healed them according to their faith. The question is do we have faith? Do we believe what God's Word tells us? Do we believe the message of sin that it separates us from God? The effects that it has not only on our spiritual lives, but even our physical lives. Do we believe that message? Do we believe the need for salvation? Or do we think that God's somehow going to make a way for someone else or maybe even ourselves? Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Do we believe that message? Are we willing to share that message with someone else? When He tells us to go into all the world and preach the Gospel, the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that He was buried and then He rose victorious over the grave so that they could have their sins blotted out and remembered against them no more if we will be obedient to God's plan of salvation. Do we believe that we must obey the Word of God? You see, we can look at those individuals that were healed. If you're like me, you could look at them and you could understand why they could not keep quiet about what had happened. You want to tell somebody. But Jesus said, don't. Do we believe and obey the Word of God? Do we believe that there's a heaven? Do we believe that there's a hell? The Gospel is good news. We shouldn't have to beg people to tell someone about it. They should see it in our lives and they should hear it coming out of our mouths. Let's learn from their mistakes and humble ourselves. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, "...we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken." We also believe and therefore speak. If we believe the message of God's Word, then why wouldn't we want to share it with the people that we come in contact with? So let's remember what Jesus told them to tell no one. But let us remember what He's told us to take the Gospel into the whole world. Tonight, if you need to respond to the invitation, you can do so by coming to have a seat up here on the front row while we stay in a second.